Hey, I'm Rowena, and I'm not quite a doctor. I'm Ray, and I'm not quite a lawyer. And I'm Raged, and I'm not quite a politician. And you're listening to the Not Quite Professionals podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the NQP 2021 brand new saga. We are so, so excited uh, to talk about a very interesting and, I guess, pertinent topic today. It's always relevant, but certainly in this um, this digital age, it is more uh, relevant than ever. Um, and we will get into that topic very, very soon. But of course, as usual, we have to start with what everyone's drinking. Um, so Raged, why don't you start? What wonderful beverage do you have accompanying you today? Okay. I was going to try to like go outside of the, not the comfort zone, but like introduce a new drink. Right. Because all we tend to circulate is water, coffee, and tea. But uh, I'm, I just decided not to. Maybe next week or the week. <laughs> I'm having, I know. I was, going, I was going somewhere with that. I was like, so I decided. You had, yeah. us, you had us in the first half. <laughs> See, that's what you guys would do to me. Every time you would try yeah. to make me believe that you guys had coffee, but you didn't. So exactly. So I have just got a cup of green tea. Solid black green tea. That's what I'm drinking. Is it black or green? Ooh. Like, I mean, Ooh. black as in there's no sugar and no honey. Oh, okay. So, like, it's green tea, but there's, like, nothing in it. Got it. All right. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It's, like, black. Like, whatever. Like coffee. I get that. Yeah. yeah. Moving on. <laughs> anyway. Well, after, after sorting out those semantics, um, <laughs> my drink of choice today is I actually have a ginger ale, which I am pointing to outside of frame for all of those people who are listening. <laughs> I don't have it on me right now. It just has a little bit, but I've been drinking that. So I have exited the water machine. Um, so I am drinking some ginger ale, although I'm pretty sure I've drank that in the past. Yes, so, I was going to say the ginger have. ale made so, a comeback. You know, I'm I'm back on my old ways, I guess. So I'm just continuously circulating it, but maybe one day I'll mix it up. It's, it's a new year. Maybe I will. New year, exactly. New we still year, got time. Ones. <laughs> yeah and you know what if ray has exited the water machine i have only sunk further into its dark and watery depths that's of right course. folks good old h2o she's back she's here to stay perhaps she's always welcome that's what i'll say she's i think always the, welcome. i think the day you, that you don't drink water i'm gonna have to make sure that like pigs aren't falling from the sky or, from the sky. or something <laughs> like because it's just gonna be yeah. a very random day it also doesn't help that we record these usually in the evening so I'm just like if I drink tea right now I'm gonna just be overstimulated and I need to wake up early um but anyway uh now that that's sort of preamble is out of the way um I will quickly introduce our topic we based on sort of recent events that will not be named um (laughs) we were interested uh to look at sort of the spark and this trend of really rampant misinformation in pretty much every single domain um, all across uh, social media and the internet and social networking sites um, and just sort of the concerns that surround that. Um, So when you guys think about like misinfo on social media, maybe start off by telling us like, what do you think of? And also, I guess, why this kind of thing is such a huge problem and why it spreads so quickly on uh, social media sites. I think when I think of uh, misinformation online, I truly just picture like 
an angry mob with torches and pitchforks um but like i guess just virtually i don't know how to explain that that's not a clear picture but um i just i I honestly treat it as if it's any um any other form of misinformation in terms of its effect but in terms of its rampancy and its and how you know quickly it spreads and how the scale of it all i feel like that's really unique to online and i think that you know information spreads faster than it ever has since the beginning of time so that's a feature of the internet that we have now and because pretty much everyone is online and they ingest information all the time uh it's really easy to get misinformed or simply just absorb information that can otherwise be accurate as well so it's it's an age of information and i think that um the consumption of it has hiked up since you know forever um and i think that that's how it's able to become so viral you know like a really a really viral news article talking about something can easily circulate and become trending within a few hours which is pretty impressive to me but of course as we're going to explore this episode um there are some negative consequences that arise from those of that yeah honestly too the when I think of misinformation, I also, it automatically makes me think of like fact checking and media bias and all of that kind of stuff. Just because the reason, misin- one of the reasons like misinformation occurs is because there is a lack of people doing their research and, you know, fact checking and making sure that what they're posting is accurate. And it's kind of sad because when you post something, and people start resharing it, you're held accountable for those people. Like even though they also may have not done their research or fact check, but you kind of started the, the trend or whatever you want to call it. But I read something in an article that said society facilitates the spread of misinformation or as Donald Trump likes to call it, fake news. Yeah. through <laughs> through the use of social media and I don't know I just really like that sentence because now it's so easy as like clicking one button aka retweet on Twitter and it's gone like it's done you mm-hmm. basically have done your due diligence uh, but yeah that's the other thing too so I'm like all over the place with this topic because there's it's so intricate like there's so mm-hmm. many different it's multifaceted but it's also like when something occurs that ends up being like misinformation or misinformed by someone else, people just feel the need to share it. Like there's mm-hmm. this, there's this generational thing where it's like, Oh, someone posted that like X, Y, Z is happening and this is outrageous and this is bad. I need to repost it. Like, even if it could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that just like, that triggers me a little because it's, <laughs> it's like, why? Why do we do this? Right. I, I totally get that. I was reading in a little bit before this episode about just how bad um, the sort of concern about misinformation is online. And I came across an article from uh, Science in, in 2018. Um, so a little bit ahead of the curve, but it was, I think, almost as problematic then. I think now it's a little bit broadened but definitely like this isn't a new thing to to 2020 and 2021 of course 
Um, but they basically said uh, they did like a statistical analysis of a bunch of news sources and and tweets and social media posts, and they found that in general, false news tends to spread faster. This is the quote: faster farther, deeper, and more broadly than the truth in all categories that they evaluated. And they evaluated stuff like political news, terrorism, natural disasters, science, urban legends, financial info, etc. So like pretty much every sort of popular domain that's discussed online. Um, and actually it was interesting, political news was by far the most affected, which is kind of, I guess we can get into a little bit more um, specifically as to why political news. I'm sure, Regad, you have a very interesting opinion on that. Yeah, um, but like... I, yeah, though, as the, as the sort of um, obviously neuroscience grad, I was sort of curious as to what the behavioral and psychological and also sort of chemical reasoning behind this type of thing um, that we tend to do so often. Um, and I guess, like, have you guys ever heard of the journalism phrase, if it, breeds, if it bleeds, it leads? Yep. Yeah. So all the movies. (laughs) Yeah. If it bleeds, it leads, which basically means something shocking or I guess like exciting or just like very dramatic is what people are going to listen to, what people are, what's going to stick in people's minds. And actually sort of there's brain chemistry to sort of back this up. Something like, you know, novel or exciting or really damaging induces you know, the release of particular chemicals in your brain that strengthen a particular memory and actually make you want to share that information more or just regurgitate that information more. And so something like, you know, shocking political scandal is going to, you know, it might horrify you, but it also kind of excites your brain because of how dramatic it is. Um, And so you're more likely to share something like that, which I thought um, was kind of interesting that, that there's a reason behind it, right? we live off the drama legitimately it's it's in our human nature to live off the drama i love how i love how regan just took that like extremely complicated scientific (laughs) Scientific, thing and perfectly summed it into one line we live off the drama honestly it's it's not okay it's drama but it's also just it's like what i was saying earlier about you just have this sense of like, I feel outraged and I need to reshare this and repost this. And honestly, the biggest, okay, I, I'm someone who's like very skeptical in the sense, especially, and especially when it comes to politics, like do not believe anything you read. Just don't (laughs) believe it. Start off like being super skeptical and not believing it because most of the time there's like a 90% chance that it's either altered in some way, skewed, or like brought into a different light or just like 110% wrong. And like the example that I always think about, and it happened recently. It's kind of an interesting story because it happened recently. It kind of resurfaced recently, but it was also a debate and like misinformation, not scandal, but like issue back in 2016. But it was, I don't know if you guys remember back in the summer, a lot of people were resharing, um, resharing like a map of a picture of a map, the map of like Palestine um, in that area, back like with Israel and stuff and saying, oh, Google took Palestine off. The oh, map yeah, and this is I remember this. Yeah, so that and that's huge. Okay, because first of all, the Palestine Israel case is intricate and complicated and extremely multifaceted that like even IR people don't understand it so it's 
it's already like a complex subject. Mm -hmm. So to kind of bring it into a different light is kind of crazy. But basically what happened was there was some forum that like called out Google saying um, you need to put it on the map, but somebody misinterpreted it thinking that they meant they took it off the map that you need to put it back on the map. So then Mm -hmm. they created like a whole plethora of posts and like things saying Google took it off the map. Like this is, this is horrible. Like Palestine, like it was just, it was very, it was very like uh, social justice warrior things. Like it was very, <laughs> and it's, and it's not a bad thing, right? Like when I say social justice warrior, I mean like these people are passionate. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like be passionate. I support that 110%, but be passionate and fact check, right? right. Like yeah. know, know what you're being passionate about because you don't want to be the person who like cries wolf. And like, like you're being, you're doing a great job of being an amazing activist. And then you kind of get discredited because you didn't check what you were talking about. Mm -hmm. So basically, anyways, like it just, a lot of people started resharing it and it got really like heightened and it was, um, yeah, it got reshared by a lot of people over different social media channels and, with the thing obviously we're talking about social media like as soon as you see it you believe it or you think it's true like like it it doesn't matter like where it came from it just kind of feels like it was it came from somewhere that is somehow right or whatever but uh yeah so then it was interesting because it was only it was literally maybe it not I want to say like maybe a day later or just a couple hours or after or something that people started resharing like oh, we got this wrong. Like, yeah. it turns out it turns out that the issue was that Google never had it on the map at all. That was right. the issue, right? It wasn't that they took it off. And this has been an issue from 2016 that they've been saying, like, yo, you need to put it on the map because, like, there's 100 and... I think it's 136 members of the UN who, like, uh, basically recognize Palestine as an independent state but a lot of like the U.S. and the West don't so you know it's it's like to some people it's the state and should be the state um Mm -hmm. and to others it's not which is why Google has like issues and Google also had issues with like Russia and Crimea like when they were trying to create the borders and the way that they were showing it like they they just Google has a bad rep with this stuff yeah. And like, sorry, sorry to call you out, Google. I apologize if you're, but also I don't. If you're listening, if you're listening, like, get it together, please. But um, it's just like eventually people caught on and they started to realize that they're like, okay, this is not, you know, this is not actually true. And you know, it's just in a different context. And like, people started, and then people started getting ugly. You know, like some people, someone would share it not knowing that it was false and then someone would like come after them being like this is so untrue like you can't post this but like they were part of the party that posted it at the very beginning oh so So, like there's it's yeah it it gets multi-dimensional when you're like it's like you 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 did something wrong ish and then you realized it was wrong and then you you know righted your wrong but then you called other people out for the wrong that you did yeah yeah that's yeah that's always that's always been interesting to me about how like that reaction of like kind of like reacting to someone negatively I've seen it uh, a lot of times too but what I find really interesting about what you brought up Raged was that people actually 
corrected themselves and then respread information about what was actually true. I don't actually see that a lot. So that's pretty that's interesting. True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no. but my question is like I feel like has the damage already sort of been done to an extent mm. because I think a lot of people see something regarding an issue and then that's like the only thing they see about it but suddenly they have this like strong opinion formed like they're like mm-hmm. I know that <laughs> Google doesn't have Palestine on the map and it's like dude like that was three days ago and people already proved that wrong but this person yep. is walking around thinking these things still so yeah I think oh, more people probably saw the inflammatory post first a hundred percent and it's not even that is like some people just are going to go with that like they are kind of going to have the assumption that google is pro-israel and like right. anti-palestine or something along the lines it, it's it, it gets complicated because it's like it's like the 2016 u.s election all over again with donald trump when he started like claiming every person every news outlet that was coming after him was fake news <laughs> like mm-hmm. chill donald chill yeah right like they're not coming after you probably some could be but because he was using fake news so much people started to believe that fake news was like real like right Mm -hmm. and there's a difference between fake news and media bias and i'll completely fully stand by that right the media is biased in itself everyone knows that like you should know that that's why everything you read in news articles is not accurate because it's skewed in some shape way or form but with Donald Trump, like, reiterating the fake news and just, like, always saying everyone's out to get him. And, like, he just, he really, I think, influenced a lot of the younger generation to think in that way. Conspiratorial. And, like, yeah, yeah, literally. <laughs> Conspiracy theories 101. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's so true. And honestly, I think it's really important to distinguish between, like, media bias and quote-unquote fake news. Um, right because there's a difference between what's called cooking the books and you know making numbers look a certain way so that it it confirms a certain bias versus uh writing it in a certain way that like might suggest something whatever like one is just showing numbers or something objective completely wrong the other one is just poor writing um Mm -hmm. but that does remind me a little bit i mean what regret brought up was a about a factual kind of you know, thing that could be proven or like, you know, something where there is somewhat of an objective truth to, in terms of like, if it was on Google or not, if it was, if it was removed or not. But uh, while you were talking, that actually reminded me of something that happened earlier in 2020. I think it was around like June or May or something like that. Um, but basically, and I don't know if you guys, you guys may have seen this around social media because it was really, really hot at some point. It was about this extreme intoxication defense that was a ruling made by uh, an Ontario court. Um, our listeners might have remembered this. I certainly did because I had. I a, remember. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And I had a pretty lengthy chat with quite a couple people about this. Uh, nothing like no arguing or anything like that. It was more of a legal discussion because this is a very good example of how legal decisions can get very misconstrued. So basically for anyone listening who doesn't know what I'm talking about, um, it was a decision in an Ontario court that basically allowed for intoxication beyond the point of accountability, similar to automatism, um, where like, you know, you're just so not in control of your body and you have all this ability to, um, you have no ability really to do anything with a conscious mind. Um, they basically said that you can use this form of extreme intoxication to defend yourself against um, certain crimes that require a mental element or the mens rea component of certain crimes. Um, In 
two cases. It was a, it's what's called a companion case. So there's two fact scenarios, but the court looks at them at the same time because they're more or less the same. And the court wants to quicken, like be efficient with their resources and make a decision that would apply to both regardless. Um, they ruled that the, the requirements for meeting this defense, which I want to stress extremely, extremely difficult, not impossible as we see, but very difficult, it was actually met. So in the first case, it was about a man trying to kill himself with antidepressants um, with an overdose. He ends up overdosing himself. And um, after consuming the drugs, drugs he begins to uh, attack his mother. Uh, he ends up killing her. He only stops when her dying breath says, she says, I am your mother. And he realizes what he's doing. Um, but at that point, she's already at the point of death. Um, and in a second case, it was about a high school student who became extremely high off of um, magic mushrooms, and he stabs his father to death during a bad trip. Um, both of these cases were analyzed for the fact that there was no mental component going on here, and the person's ability to make decisions um, or even uh, calm themselves down or control their actions was severely hindered upon. Um, so the court basically said, okay, look, uh, we can't establish the mens rea component in this case, but um, so we can't go through with a conviction because these uh, these instances of murder require that. So um, I don't know the exact ruling, but they weren't able to establish some kind of murder that would require intent. Um, I think it, it can be similar to manslaughter or something where it's a murder of no intention. Uh, however, that's not what became very quote unquote trendy online. Uh, it was because people were concerned and I think to agree rightfully so, that uh, this could lead to uh, people using this defense for sexual assault and in cases involving drinking, which I want to say is actually a very real concern. It's absolutely true. The problem was, was that the facts of the case were being misconstrued and the decision and outcome were being completely butchered by people online. They were claiming that I think I even read, I know you guys have seen those Instagram infographics with like past yeah. or whatever. I think I read one that said that the, the court ruled that s sexual assault can be defended by intoxication. It's like, no, uh, it's, it's this legal mechanism that requires a very, very high threshold. Um, now, of course, the, the, there is no consensus even in the legal community. I, I've read a couple articles about what lawyers have said and weighed on on this. Some lawyers are not okay with this decision. Some others are. But it, it, like the point that I'm trying to raise here is that the disagreement between this decision, so long as it's informed, is totally healthy and is okay. That's, you know, discussions. The problem was, however, that people were totally uh, like fudging the facts of the case and were clinging on to the most sensational parts of it that was just communicated at the end of a case that said like, this could lead to this thing, but it's not likely. And what people took from that was that this could lead to this thing. Oh, it led to this thing. Oh, therefore, it's kind of a game of broken yeah. telephone down the way. Uh, whether or not this creates problems, uh, I think actually the Ater Ontario Attorney General has tried to appeal this to the Supreme Court. Don't Haven't followed up on the outcome. Uh, maybe one of our listeners has, um, but um, <laughs> let us know, <laughs> let us know. Um, but I do think it was appealed out of the the social outrage over this. Um, yeah. Which, which, you know what, from a sense of these legal mechanisms that are a little bit tricky, there's a, even a little bit more to this. This is really specific in law that isn't easily explained in a, you know, news article. I can see how people think this way. 
And the intention behind this from people being concerned, I think is fine. But what's the problem is, however, is that people thought that the Ontario courts were opening this floodgate to per permitting something that they weren't. It was just mm -hmm. clarifying how certain mechanisms work in what instance. Mm -hmm. And it was basically a balancing act between the uh, mens rea and presumption of innocence and all these other things. They had to balance it out and they, were and they had to um, reach a decision that they definitely knew would probably raise eyebrows, but hey, they did it anyways. But yeah, yeah so I, I think this, this specific case, I saw a lot of infographics that were spread uh, about how dangerous this is, but I also saw some that clarified what was going on here, which I was really happy about. Uh, so it was kind of a simultaneous feed. I saw half of my feed was like, this decision is terrible, blah, 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 blah. And then another half was clarifying what's going on. Um, both pretty much reached the same conclusion of like, this isn't a great decision and this doesn't actually help victims a lot. But mm -hmm. Uh, using different and more and one of them was definitely more thorough and with the facts and everything like that so um, definitely not as egregious as an example that I could have pulled but uh, just goes to show how legal de decisions require a little bit of more understanding and, and reading the article fully rather than just grabbing the things and cherry picking so to speak um, but uh, I'm glad that there was kind of a dual force going on here online that tried to ratify both, uh, which was really interesting for me to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember um, that. Mm -hmm. Like that, that was that was that was an interesting time, I think, too. And like, I, I saw a lot of like the other side of it where people were like outraged saying like, mm -hmm. any like someone can now say that they were drunk if, you know, they committed sexual assault. And I feel like because I had a very like I have a small degree of like legal knowledge I'm like okay that can't be true be just because like it, it just doesn't make sense for it to be true like could be hypothetically in some way or something but I just I was very skeptical at that but I think it also it's because it's such a topic that is kind of unknown like not you're it's not something you can just kind of read up on and like brush up on randomly like mm -hmm. the terms the jargon it's all very confusing yeah. <laughs> so it's it makes sense as to why people would automatically assume or whatever but it just it's again it's sad because one person shares that and someone who has like no legal knowledge whatsoever let's say all they see is like drunk someone can rate me that's fine yeah like in the matter of in a very less complex than it actually is way but th that's the sad thing about it yeah I, I it's actually interesting I feel like I see something of a through line or like a parallel between both the examples you guys brought up um not just in the sense that they're misinformation but the reaction from those that are misinformed feels I almost want to say it's like righteous anger because the the way they react is like catastrophizing it and and sort of appealing to your sympathy when they re, when they sort of repost. So in the Israel Palestine sort of map example, it's like they're they're like oh, they're taking away the nationhood and the statehood of Israel or Palestine and blah blah blah, which obviously would get you know understandably a very emotional reaction from a lot of yeah. people. And similarly, like, they, they could justify sexual assault. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. whoa, just take it down like five notches. We are not at that stage mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, and like you guys were saying, like, it's fine to debate those things. And I appreciate, Ray, that you were bringing up how people were 
pointing out why it could be problematic, but in an informed way. I think that's super important. But like this notion of like responding in like a very reactionary, like jumping to the the absolute last possible rung on the ladder that could happen is is kind of you know absurd like it's very very concerning and unfortunately it's it's what ends up getting spread the most often but um I think I think I also I kind of want to bring up bring up an example that's a little bit different because mine actually has I guess I you could say like a government employed um program of trying to actively combat this um and it's only because it's a healthcare thing and unlike something like law or politics healthcare information and and educating public health sort of initiatives those are taken pretty seriously and like funded pretty well by governments especially canada i think the canadian government does a really good job of trying to inform their population about um, their health and like all these important things and I feel like you know recently I've been watching a lot of the news and there's so many commercials from like Public Health Canada and, and all of that which I'm really really proud of um, but it, it also goes to show like how good social campaigns like that are and um, they need a lot of funding but um, anyway I digress. Um, I basically sort of wanted to touch on the the issues surrounding, I guess, COVID as sort of a reflection as we come out of this pandemic, just kidding, I wish we could say that, um, <laughs> but as we continue through this horrible, horrible time, um, we all have obviously heard of so many just completely wrong things about COVID going around and that are just so incredibly frustrating, um, not just for people who have a, a background in science and in health, but just like generally informed citizens. Um, who know a lot of these things are absolutely ridiculous. Um, I know you guys obviously have heard of the sort of more far-fetched conspiracy theories, such as like COVID was engineered by the Chinese in a lab and COVID was caused by 5G towers going up and Bill Gates is trying to microchip you with the vaccine, which is oh all my God, obviously- That's my favorite one, the Bill Gates <laughs> one. <laughs> that is my favorite one. Like It's okay, pretty great. Because he's that smart. <laughs> So yeah, what, are, what are we all? What are we all getting microchipped? You know, when yeah, when you're getting the microchip. When know? does Bill Gates want to know what I'm doing and where I'm at? You know. Yes, yeah. I know Bill Gates is going to microchip us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jeff Bezos is sending his drones, and I can't remember what Elon Musk is doing, but it must be bad. Something about so. you know turning the, the the water is also COVID or flooding the water, something like that. <laughs> exactly, <I don't> <laughs> exactly. Brainwashing us with his SpaceX satellites, there something like go. that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's crazy and a lot of these theories are I mean it's sad because a lot of the people that fall victim to this are you know either uneducated or uninformed or just like they get very riled up by certain political people that they uh admire cough cough Donald Trump um and so they end up getting really really misinformed and almost like believing these kind of delusional things um but something that I want to focus on more is a more common issue that I think um, is not too delusional, but it truly is founded in just complete misinformation. And that is like the anti-masker type of mindset. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. I mean, have, do you guys like know anyone who is like, the mask doesn't really work. I just wear it because they tell me to. Not personally, but when I worked at the bank uh, in like early, mid 2020, um, we had a couple customers who were who were 
proudly saying that the mask would give you COVID. (laughs) Right. I wish yeah. I could make it that up, but yeah. Yeah. It's also, I, I haven't, I've never met someone in person, but I keep seeing the videos of, uh, I keep seeing the videos of, especially lately after, you know, what happened in the Capitol and the people that were there before <clears throat> that were just protesting videos of them. Like there was, there was one, there was, it's very funny. Okay. I saw it on his TikTok, but <laughs> she <laughs> Um, she was basically saying to the guy who was the guy interviewing her was like, uh, he was like saying something about how like, oh, like, you know, you guys are wearing masks, like COVID isn't real or whatever. And then she started going off like, yeah, you know, the universe, it, it, everything works in like a physical and physics is really important in this. And do you know I think what I'm I saw that. About? I think I saw yeah. that. And then there are the <laughs> That's ladies ridiculous. and she was saying like, and you know, it's actually better that we're not wearing masks because it can't harm us the way we think it is. And then the girl beside her was like, yeah, I taught her all of that. I did teach her. <laughs> oh, she's proud like, of herself. Oh, good, yeah. Oh, yeah. These, these two, I was like, I got to meet them see or something. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that it's like confident, very confident misinformation. Oh, the, the best kind. Yeah. That, truly. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's so it's so bad. Just like the just blatant lies that people spread about mask wearing, and I know like the World Health Organization actually called the situation surrounding COVID not just like a pandemic but an infodemic, basically stating that there's so much information about COVID and just like so many attempts to spread false info and to completely undermine the efforts of public health agencies to combat the spread. Um, and it's just such a concern. And I know like so you guys pointed out some of the major concerns with masks that people have, you know, they don't work or they make you sicker and somehow make you get COVID because you're breathing in the stuff that you breathed out into the mask, which doesn't really make sense because you breathed it out. So it was in your lungs already. But anyway, yeah. um, and it's, it's bad. I think I understand sort of where it originated from, which was early on in the pandemic, you know, public health was sort of divided and they, it was unclear whether or not masks were going to be effective. I remember being, you know, taking the train in March and like some people were wearing masks. And even at that time, I was like, why are people wearing masks? This is so weird. And, you know, asking people in my family who are physicians and they were saying like, we're not sure yet, like maybe you should wear a mask, but like, we don't know if that's actually effective. Um, And that's because, you know, in terms of viral transmission, whether or not a mask is going to be effective depends on a lot of things. It depends on how effectively or like how stably some a virus can be sort of transmitted or aerosolized and passed through the air or how long it sort of remains in like mist in the air after somebody speaks. Um, stuff like how large the actual um, size of like the viral particle is. So like how many nanometers it is could affect whether or not it will actually be, you know, inhaled through a mask or something like that. So. Inhale there's a lot of there's a lot of factors yeah that go into determining whether or not masks were important and you know you would think it's easy like why don't we just say just wear masks just in case and we'll figure out whether it works or not after um but early on if you guys remember there was a real big concern about ppe shortages mm-hmm. for healthcare workers i remember people were like stock buying things <laughs> toilet paper was one of them but other things included like ppe gloves masks etc 
that sort of people were panic buying and that healthcare workers, uh, people were concerned about hospital workers, emergency care and long term care workers not having access to those things. So early on, they didn't want to over exert this idea of masks before they really had it right. Yeah. Um, another thing that I read, actually, interestingly, there was an article that mentioned um, another factor was cultural stigma in the West surrounding masks, which we definitely have. Because before COVID, at least, if I saw somebody wearing a mask, I would assume they were sick. Oh, yeah. I, oh, okay, I get it now. I thought it was more, I was thinking something totally different. I thought it was like, if someone wears a mask, that means they're from another nation. When he said cultural, I was like, that's, oh, that's, that's what I was just, honestly, I was thinking the same thing as Ray. I was like, you know how, unfortunately, like people can be very racist. And when you see someone wearing a mask, you're like, oh, like they're coming from, either this country this country this country and they don't like right. trust or whatever and now we're yeah. all wearing masks and it's like well look at that chad yeah. like we're all wearing masks chad <laughs> bradley yeah. yeah so like like i think it's it's everyone knows that like in terms of culture like places like east asian countries you know china korea japan um definitely have a bigger culture of wearing masks in general than the west I don't think anyone wears a mask recreationally here before COVID. Like if I did see people wearing it, it would be, you know, occasionally like international students on campus, or if I was, you know, close by to a hospital, I assumed that that person was sick or something. Um, but it has this like stigma of, of sickness surrounding it. If you see somebody wearing it and it kind of freaks people out. So apparently that was also a reason as to why um, public health was sort of, um, it, you know, reluctant to uh, actually establish whether masks should be worn or not before they had the concrete sort of um, evidence. But um, now we do, I know this, this part's the PSA, masks are effective. You know, the New England Journal of Medicine has shown that it completely reduces the spread of aerosols and droplets in the air that promote COVID transmission. Nature Medicine published an article very early on demonstrating that it reduces the detection of corona RNA, which is basically a little sort of genetic material that makes up uh, the COVID virus um, completely reduces the detection of that in aerosols. I think I remember seeing a statistic that said that if two people are wearing masks in an area and one of them has COVID, it's going to reduce the risk of either of, or of the transmission um, to like, like by 90%, like it's a complete reduction of um, thing. And I know like there's even been anecdotal stories of like, you know, to people who were like, go to a hair salon, and like, everyone has worn a mask, and like, no one tested positive, something like that. And it was like 140 patrons or something. So, you know, there's so many, you know, whatever your flavor of information <laughs> is, if you want to trust anecdotes, if you want to trust scientific data, epi there's epidemiological data, countries that have this cultural norm of wearing masks, have a lot lower death rates, you look at the death rates in Korea, in Japan, in China, well, well I know Japan is sort of struggling right now. But Korea and China, like a lot lower death rates than um, somewhere like America, for example, um, which of course, you know, a lot of people speculate as to the number reporting in terms of death rates. I won't speak on that. I have no idea what those countries use to, to determine that, but it is something to think about. So it's really, really crazy how much misinformation there is about masks and how people are just like adamantly believing it. And it's unfortunate, but I think there's, there's sort of... Um, there's a really big public health push. And at least in Canada, I don't think the people that refuse to wear masks are super, super high. So that's, that's good for us. Um, 
obviously with the vaccine coming out, there's a new flavor of ignorance. Uh, people just- A new flavor of ignorance, my favorite yeah. line. <laughs> <laughs> well, people who are like, I'm not going to get the vaccine. And like, I don't know what that is. I'm injecting that into my body. <laughs> yeah. It's going to alter my DNA, which- I don't know what yeah. to say. Wow. About that. yeah. That's someone who watches a lot of sci-fi films. You know, my, my dad actually, who has a background, at least from university in learning about uh, biology and vir- a little bit of vir- virology as well. He, uh, he was, he actually has a really objective lens on this. He's like, you know, there's these articles talking about this new COVID vaccine and how it's like using methods that have never been used before stuff with like the RNA trends. Um, he looks at it as like, oh, this is cutting edge technology. But a lot of people who don't have that background are like, this is new and scary and it's it's going to do something totally different. But it, like from like, it's a shame because the the truth of it is that like, it's it doesn't make it any less effective. It's just, you know, a new way of getting the same outcome. Um, but, you know, it, I think to kind of tie in what Roeda was talking about with this misinformation related to masks and the vaccines, there's the scientific aspect to it, but there's also the liberty aspect to it, which is kind of the legal dimension. And if you guys remember from my uh, my speaker series kind of special where we went through that case scenario uh, that I had whipped up, there's a lot of people who feel like they're being told what to do by the state to do this stuff, and they don't like that. Um, here in Canada, I think we've noticed that a lot less. Um, Funny enough, because it's of our constitutional structure, at least I think so, we have the uh, limits on the rights and freedoms in the section one. Uh, America doesn't have that. And they're basically told, you have your rights till you die. And I think that kind of bleeds into the mentality of in the States. It's like, you cannot, you know... In the don't state, tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to don't do. Don't take away what. my guns. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here we have this understanding of, okay, there's some compromise to this because it's impacting others. And there's, I think, just a general empathy. Could be higher, I think, but we still have it. It's more palatable than where it is like in the States. So um, in terms of the culture, it's that's another cultural aspect, I guess, too, to the masks and the vaccines is like, how do these people observe their liberty? Um, if you look at maybe in East Asia, it looks a whole lot different than how it looks in the States in terms of how they interact with their liberty. Um, so it's really interesting how that kind of goes into what people are willing to believe and what they're willing to confirm about COVID and stuff like that. That's so true. That's actually so true. I didn't even think about the individual liberties because you know, you think of East Asian countries that tend to wear masks are also like collective societies rather than like individualistic. And that sort of notion of like doing it for the greater good of the community. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's really cool when our little interests intersect like that sometimes. And Uh (laughs) I like, I like how, I like how we can, you know, draw a cool little intersection between science and law and sometimes it they, they intersect and it's it makes for some interesting revelations like we just saw <laughs> exactly sure. i think too like we've talked so much about how, these different examples and like all this other stuff but i would say like just and on another aspect of it like i said this in the beginning of the episode like always be skeptical and i say it again when you are when you see something that you don't know is false or true or whatever, then you take that, like use your critical thinking skills. You're not being paranoid. You're being smart. 
you know, kind of like fact check, understand how to like dig- divulge and find out the different types of media bias and like just always, always ask questions. That's, that's my biggest tip of advice after this. Um, and do, do either of you guys have a tip of advice about misinformation before we wrap it up? Um, I'm adding on to what you just said, like, even if it's from a trusted source, fact check, like, yeah. I was talking about public health campaigns, but like, just because it's an ad from the government doesn't mean we should believe it blindly. You shouldn't, you should not believe the government blindly. Yeah. You should trust that the government has your best interest. Hopefully they do, but make sure you're doing your own research on the side. Definitely, definitely agree with that. My point of advice is be wary of silver bullets and things that are too good to be true. Uh, there is no such thing on this planet that I've learned that is a catch-all solves every problem so incredible whatever there's always a catch there's always a dimension of you know um to it that it makes it not as good so i think if you read something that's sensational and it's just there's the the logic looks a little too perfect or the like you know or the the thing is too sensational and it's too like leaning towards one direction i think that that's concerning you should always look for things that leave room for doubt um and that's done intentionally because the best things stand on their own even in light of doubt the most true things can be proven against the grain and allow for room for people to debate so if it's if it looks like it's really 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 you know leaning towards one side there's always nuance to something so always consider maybe looking on more to the story and unveiling beneath the top layer that you first initially see yeah and always also just see the different perspectives of it right like try to see it from different dimensions and understand that any news story you read is going to be skewed and and biased in a shape or form so like kind of go into it thinking that way Um, and you know if you guys ever have any questions about any issues that relate to any of our fields and obviously we're no experts in any ways but if you have an issue or if you see something you're not sure and you just kind of want to talk it through with someone then honestly we're all more than happy to discuss i think healthy debate and healthy discussion is so perfect in instances like these um and that's a really good way to segue into our ending and uh this is the worst part of the episode because it's where we end but (laughs) (laughs) but don't worry we'll be back in uh two short weeks with another episode and you obviously know how to contact us by this time i'd hope send us a dm at nqp podcast or send us an email at nqp.podcast at gmail.com that being said we'll see you guys in two weeks bye guys see you